I've only got two points in my message. See, y'all know what that means, right? Nothing. Amen. Hallelujah. What a wonderful blessing. Hey, listen, in the book of Exodus, God's people, they wanted to go back to Egypt. And as a result, the whole generation of people never inherited what God had provided for them. They had been safely delivered from bondage out of Egypt, but they never enjoyed the promised land that God had prepared for them. We, as believers, can make the same mistake today. The author of the Bible book called Hebrews declared to the first century Christians that they must be willing to move past a half-hearted practice of Christianity in order to move forward into what God had in store for those believers. And the crux of this message is summed up in the book of Hebrews. On page 1064 in the Bibles in front of you, I'm going to be sharing today from Hebrews chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. And I want you to hear what God has to say about you and I making spiritual progress. In verse 11 of chapter 5, the author says, We have much to say, and it's kind of hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God or the scriptures of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes in only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is but a mere babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore... Leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on. Let us go on to perfection or maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance of sin or the faith toward God, not laying again the foundation of the doctrine of baptism and the laying on of hands of resurrection from the dead and the eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those 
whom it is cultivated, receives blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it's rejected, near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. For God is not unjust to forget your work, your labor of love which you have shown toward His name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. That you do not become sluggish or lazy. But imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now the whole crux of this message really is summed up in verse 12 right there. Where the Bible says, we don't want you to become lazy. We don't want you to become sluggish, but to imitate those who through faith and patience have inherited what has been promised. God wants you to inherit what has been promised. And that's not going to come through laziness. So friends, as we begin walking through these verses today, I want to begin by sharing with you some marks of spiritual immaturity. Marks of spiritual immaturity. I am so thankful that scripture not only points out what a healthy spiritual life looks like, it also points out what an unhealthy spiritual life looks like. The Lord desires that we all be healthy in every way, but especially when it comes to our relationship with Him. He wants that relationship to be healthy above all others. But there are some marks of spiritual immaturity that perhaps you might see in your life as I have seen this week in my own. The first mark of spiritual immaturity is what the author of Hebrews said was a dullness toward God's word. Read it again there in verse 11. He says, we have much to say and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. These believers were not receiving the promises of God. Why? Because they had become dull hearers. They had become indifferent toward the word of God. They had become uh, where they just stopped caring about the souls of lost people. And they become lazy in serving the Lord. And when those things happen, when God's people become indifferent toward the Bible, when they stop caring about whether somebody's saved or not, and when they stop serving the Lord, one thing always happens. Growth is stopped. Those things always prevent growth. You see, Scripture warns us about drifting from the Word of God. Scripture also warns us about Doubting the word of God. But here, scripture warns us about being dull toward the word of God. It seemed that these first century believers were unable to even listen to the word. They were unable to receive the word to cause change in their lives. And as a result, they refused to act 
upon the Word of God in their life. And that is always the first symptom of backsliding. How many of you have backslid at any point in your Christian life? Amen. Hey, I'm going to lift two hands right here, okay? I believe we're all victims of that. But the first symptom of backsliding is always a dullness toward the Bible. All of a sudden, Sunday school becomes dull. Preaching becomes dull. Anything spiritual, it seems like it becomes dull. And it's not always the fault of the teacher or preacher. It always seems to be a problem within the believer. Right? So, the first mark of spiritual immaturity is a dullness toward God's word. But there's a second mark, and that is an unwillingness to share. Look there in verse 12. The author says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the very first principles of the scriptures of God. Friend, listen, you may not have the gift of teaching, and that's okay. But we can all share what we have learned from the Bible. Right? We can all share what we've learned from the Bible. And we can certainly share what God has done in our lives. That often is sometimes the, the, the most powerful testimony. Is what God has done in your life. But instead of helping others to grow. It seems that these Hebrew Christians needed to learn the basics all over again for themselves. Couldn't help others because they were such babies themselves. So the first mark of spiritual immaturity is this dullness toward God's word. The second mark is certainly a unwillingness to share what you have learned, what God has done. But there's a third mark, and that is what's called a baby food diet. How many of y'all love to eat baby food? It is so nasty, right? Well, just listen to verse 14. No, we're going to start at the end of verse 12, rather. But you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is but a babe. He is but a babe. Now, one thing I've learned about my new granddaughter, amen, one thing I've learned about Iris is that all that child wants to eat is milk. Feed her milk, and she's growing. She's healthy, and she's growing. The only thing that babies need to grow is milk. Adults need meat. I need Boston butt. You got that? I need meat. Now, what is the milk of the word? Well, the milk of the word is what Jesus did when he was on this planet. You know, his birth, his virgin birth, his sinless life, his incredible teaching, the Sermon on the Mount and all the rest, his death, his burial, his resurrection. All those things are the milk of the word. All those things are the foundational things you need to believe. If you're going to become a Christian. Meat, on the other hand, is what Jesus is doing through you now. Meat 
is what Jesus is doing through your life now. We begin our Christian lives based on what Jesus did on this earth, but we grow on the basis of what Jesus is doing now through the body of Christ, right? So we got to have meat. And I realize that every now and then, we all need some milk, right? Nobody loves a glass of ice-cold milk more than Brother Bill, amen? I love me some milk, but I can't stop there. I've got to move forward and get me some meat, amen? I can't live on a baby food diet. I certainly can't grow. On a baby food diet. Now there's a fourth mark of spiritual immaturity. And friends, listen, as you're you're hearing these, you need to be able to and be willing to look in the mirror. I looked in the mirror all week. And if I'm going to do it all week, y'all going to do it for one hour. Amen? Or not that long. Just a little while. Amen? So let's look in the mirror. The fourth mark of spiritual immaturity is failing to use God's word. Every one of us has a copy of the scriptures, right? But are we using the word of God? Listen to verse 14. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, they're mature. That is, those who by reason of use, who by reason of use have had their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You see, as we grow as Christians, as we grow in the Word, we ought to be learning to use it in our daily lives. It's something that should be a foundational principle in the life of a Christian is using the Word of God in your life. We exercise our spiritual senses and we begin to develop the ability to discern between good and evil. I don't want no part of that. That's evil. Right? Instead, we lean, we're bent toward things that are good in the eyes of God. Furthermore, we also develop the ability to discern between things that are better and things that are best. When it comes to my relationship with God, when it comes to my walk with God, I don't want what's better. I want what's best. Amen. And that's how I grow. The problem with all this is, is that many Christians are what are called in-betweeners. Say in-betweeners. Many are in-betweeners. What does that mean? Well, it means that they're stuck between Egypt and the promised land. They're stuck between Egypt and the promised land. They're out of danger in Egypt, but they are failing to walk with the Lord in their lives now. They're out of bondage in Egypt However, they're not experiencing the promises of God in their life today. It's like they're stuck. It's like they're stuck between Good Friday and Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and Resurrection Sunday morning on Easter where Jesus rose from the grave to give us new life. We're stuck in betweeners. They're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, but they're not yet enjoying the life that Jesus died to give us. Many Christians are in-betweeners. So friend, do you have a dullness toward God's word? You can go with it or you can go without it. 
It doesn't matter to you. It has no bearing on your life. Have you even stopped to examine your own spiritual health? I think that's the habit of a mature Christian. Is he or she is constantly evaluating. Constantly examining the kind of Christian life they're living. Right? What kind of impact are we having as a result of our Christian life? So... We, we need to be able to, to do these things. Friend, do you uh, find it difficult to get outside of your comfort zone when it comes to sharing with others what you've learned about the Bible? Do you find it difficult to share with others what God has done in your life? It might be a signal of spiritual immaturity. Are you reluctant to dive in to the deeper things of God when it comes to the word? Are you willing to dive into the deeper things of God or are you just satisfied with milk? Are you just satisfied with the simple things that brought you to Christ in the first place? That might be a sign of spiritual immaturity. But do you also realize that you have learned much from God's word. In your own study, in your life group classes, and in our worship together, we have learned much from the word of God. We've learned much from the word of God since we became a Christian. But friend, do you find it a challenge to use what we've learned out there in real life? All those things may be signs of our struggles with spiritual immaturity and every single Christian goes through them at one time or another we all have these difficulties but here's the key the key is growing past those spiritual immaturities and accepting your second point accepting God's call to spiritual maturity it is a call from God on your life we all come into this world like little Iris Ray. Same way. We all come into the world as a baby. Wouldn't it be tragic if we stayed that way? She's beautiful. But I sure hope that baby girl grows up someday. Wouldn't it be tragic if we became to Christ, but we never grew up? That's why God calls us in the word to move on. To go forward into perfection or maturity. As he puts it, it's a call. It's a call to spiritual progress. And he talks about it there in chapter 6, verse 1. The author says, therefore, leaving the discussions of elementary principles of Christ, let's go on. Let's move forward into perfection or maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God, of doctrine, of baptisms, and laying on of hands, and resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this will do if God permits. It's a call to spiritual progress. It's a call for you and I to move on. So look in the mirror this morning and determine for yourself, are you moving on? Are you going on to perfection? Are you moving on in maturity? We're called to go forward in spiritual growth. I want you to think back when you were in kindergarten. For some of y'all, that was a long time ago. Amen. But in kindergarten, we all learn the same thing. 
We learned our ABCs. They do that in preschool now, I guess. But uh, we all learned our ABCs. Why in the world would we learn our ABCs? Well, it's with our ABCs that we can formulate words. And then it's with our ABCs that we can go further. We can move forward and make sentences. And then we can go forward and make paragraphs of sentences. And before we know it, we have used our ABCs to read a book. We don't keep on learning our ABCs. Once you've learned them, you got them, right? Everybody know their ABCs? All right. We, once we learn our ABCs, we don't need to go back to that again. Right? We've already learned them. We need to use those basics to move on, to go on to better things. Now, the writer here listed six basic truths about the Christian life. And I'm not going to get into them in detail, but they are repentance and faith toward God. That is, turn from your sin and putting your faith in Christ. It's also baptism and laying on of hands in the church. We know what that is. It's also resurrection and judgment as it applies to our future. But the lesson of these verses is this. You've laid the foundation already, y'all. You've already laid your foundation in your spiritual life. Now build on it. Build on that spiritual foundation. You know your ABCs. Now read the book. Amen? We know these things. So we need to move forward and let God carry us to spiritual maturity. This is not Brother Bill's call. This is not a Bethel Baptist call. This is God's call on your life. It's God's call to spiritual progress. But listen to this. You don't have to if you don't want to. You don't have to accept God's call to spiritual progress if you don't want to. You can stay a spiritual baby as long as you want. You can stay a spiritual infant as long as you want, but know the only person that will suffer will be you. The only person that you're going to be hurting is yourself. For you see, this progress, this spiritual progress does not affect our salvation. It doesn't affect whether we're saved or not. Let me share with you again verse 4. For it's impossible for those who have been once enlightened, tasted the heavenly gift, become partakers of the Holy Spirit, have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame. That's a scary passage of Scripture. But here's the crux of that. Friend, as a Christian, you are given a choice whether you will wander life's wilderness or whether you'll receive God's promise. You are given the choice of whether you will stay stagnant as a spiritual infant. Or whether you will move forward to become a mighty woman of God or a mighty man of God. It's your choice. Choose wisely. But many people have really fretted about that little passage of scripture right there. Because if you read it carefully, on the surface, 
it almost seems to imply like a true believer can fall from the grace of God. It almost seems to imply that a true believer can fall into sin and be lost and condemned to a sinner's hell. I want to make something crystal clear this morning. That is a misunderstanding, a misapplication, and a misinterpretation of the verses I just shared with you. Why? Well, first of all, Scripture clearly teaches that the true believer, the true believer can never be lost. He belongs to God. He is a child of the high king. He is a child of the Lord. Not once saved, always saved. We don't believe that. We believe if saved, always saved. Somebody say amen. Secondly, that phrase fall away doesn't mean to fall away from. You don't fall away from Jesus. But how many of us in our Christian lives have fallen while walking alongside Jesus. Got tripped up in sin. Got tempted by the enemy. We got tripped up and we fell alongside. Well that's what fall away means. To fall alongside. And it happens probably to every Christian. But thirdly. You need to know. That it is possible. For a true believer to refuse to grow. You don't have to if you don't want to. It is possible for a true believer to refuse to obey God. Did you know that? You better say yes because every one of us have. It is possible for a true believer to refuse to serve the Lord. It's possible. But listen, just because they have not grown or been disobedient in some areas or refused to serve for whatever reason doesn't mean they're condemned or that God abandons them or that God has somehow uh, disassociated himself with them or that one day he adopts them, the next day they're unadopted. That's not what happens. What does happen is this. That believer misses out. That believer misses out on God's best for his or her life. And the Bible is clear that they'll also miss out on rewards in their future. So yes, there is repercussions. There are consequences. But we also need to know that in verse 6, that word crucify, you, you heard it there in verse 6. If they fall away to renew themselves again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to open shame. Now, crucify there means while they are crucifying. Okay? You can't grow, you can't become mature while you're sitting there sinning and crucifying Jesus all over again. Right? You can't grow and become spiritually mature while you're openly putting Jesus to shame time and time again. While you're doing it. However... The author does say this. The author says that these believers who are rebelling against God, they won't repent while they're treating Jesus in a shameful way. They won't do it while they're doing it. But once they stop 
Once they put their foot down and say, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm turning from my sin. I'm going to stop disgracing Jesus. Then they can renew that fellowship again. And they can walk with the Lord. There's probably no greater illustration of that than the parable that Jesus told about the prodigal son. You know what a parable is? A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And Jesus told this parable about this son, this man who after nagging his father day in and day out, nagging his daddy to get his inheritance before his daddy even died, finally his dad gave in. He gave his son his share of the inheritance and the son took off to what was called a faraway land, far away from the father. And he used his inheritance and he wasted that inheritance on sinful pleasures in that faraway land, away from the father. But after he blew it all, he didn't have a pot or a window to throw out of. After he blew it all, the Bible says that the son repented. He turned from his sin, and more importantly, he returned to his father. You see, that boy, he never once stopped being his father's son. And that man never once stopped being that son's father. And sure enough, he returned to his daddy. And in the greatest picture in the Bible of grace, the Bible says that daddy started running when he saw him. He started running down the road with his arms open to receive his son. Even though he'd sinned so recklessly. So what's the moral of that story? Moral of that story is, is as long as you have breath in your lungs, it's never too late. But if you keep on, you're missing God's best for your life. You're missing God's best for your life. But once you stop disgracing Jesus in that sinful way, you can be assured that your sinful progress won't affect your salvation. But you know what? You can also be assured that it does result in fruitfulness. It does result in fruitfulness. Read verse 7 with me. For the earth which drinks in the rain and which often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated, listen to this, receives blessing from God. Receives blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it's rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. But beloved, we're confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation things that you do because you're saved though we speak in this manner for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and still do minister so when we talk about the fruitfulness we look at this field and the reason that the field has worth is because the field is fruitful. 
And in the same way, friends, a true believer who is making spiritual progress will also bear fruit. Bear fruit for God's glory. But note this. Those worthless thorns and briars, they're going to be burned. Not the field, but only those useless, worthless, sinful thorns and briars. You see, God will discipline his own. How many of y'all know that? Amen. I've been to Target. Amen. Not because of him, because of me. Right? God will discipline his own. But God never curses his own. We belong to him. Now the writer lists some fruit that accompanies salvation. Things that you do because you're saved. They worked for the Lord. They had this labor of love. They worked because they loved God so much. And they had ministered to their brothers and sisters in Christ. And even to that day, they were still ministering to their brethren. But this writer was concerned that they would stop. He was concerned that they would rest on their laurels instead of pressing on, moving on to spiritual maturity. And so he encourages not only these first century Christians, but he encourages me and you to be sure that we are reminded that the spiritual progress does demand diligent effort. It requires hard work. This Christian life ain't no joke. It's hard work. Notice what he says there in verse 11. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence, the same hard work to the full assurance of hope. How long? Until the end. That you do not become lazy, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Yes, God will help us to mature. He will help us to mature, but listen carefully. We must do our part. We must do what he calls us to do. We must not be lazy. We must utilize the spiritual resources that God has afforded us. To be diligent and hardworking. We got to exercise that faith in action. We got to exercise patience and claim what God has promised us. Just like old Joshua and Caleb, the only two of that whole generation. They got to enter into the promised land. The only two out of 600,000, two, that entered the promised land. See, Joshua and Caleb, they believed God's promise. Joshua and Caleb, they wanted to go in to that promised land. And they wanted to go in and claim what God had promised them. We need to be Joshua's and Caleb's. We need to be the same thing. We are called by God to diligently grow into spiritual maturity. He never said it would be easy. But he did say it would be worth it. It would be worth it for you too. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. 
For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what would a man give in exchange for his own eternal soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with the angels, and he will reward each according to their works. What would you be willing to give up in exchange for your soul? Would you be willing to give up your pride in exchange for your soul? Would you be willing to give up your own perceived self-righteousness in exchange for your soul? Would you be willing to give up your denial of your own sin in exchange for your soul? Would you be willing to give up your rejection of Jesus in exchange for your soul? Are you willing to deny yourself to lose your life and follow Jesus? The Son of God said, if you're willing to lose your life for my sake, you will find life like you've never known it before. Life here and life in heaven. Today is a day for you to walk out of here differently than you walked in. You'll give your life for his sake. The promise of God is that you'll be saved from the penalty of sin and heaven can be your home. But as I mentioned earlier, it's always your choice. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you for giving us a choice. You could have just condemned us to hell because of all of our sin. Instead, you provided means by which we could be saved. If we will just put our trust and our faith in the only Son of God who died on the cross for our sins and was raised from the grave to new life again, Lord, the promise of Scripture is that we can have that same life, not only in heaven, but beginning today. Father, if there is one here today that would want to give their life, lose their life for the sake of Christ so that they can find life like they've never known it, both here and in heaven. Our prayer is they would have the courage to take a step of faith, to step out of their pew, to step forward and allow me to show them what the word of God says about how they can be saved. It's really rather simple. However, it can be difficult. So Father, I pray for the ones that you're speaking to this morning, Lord, that you'd help them to overcome the challenges in life that are prohibiting them, that are hindering them from being born again, becoming a child of God and belonging to you through thick and through thin. Lord, I pray you'd have your will, your way, for your glory. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Amen. Let's all stand.